Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And this week, we have a real legend in the house with us, Mr. Don Foos. Thank you very much for having me. I'm a big fan of yours, by the way. Oh, I appreciate it, <laughs> yeah. man. But, but, but honestly, big fan. You're, you're, you are the true legend type. Well, you are, man. I mean, come on. Thank you. We'll go, we're going to go over everything. You are one of the most uh, multifaceted people we've ever had on here as far as what you're involved in. I mean, you're more than a musician, but that, that basically has gotten you started in this entire path that you've ended up on was being involved in music. But since then, you're an author. You've written a couple books. Yeah. And what you're currently involved in is a band from France. Yeah. It's uh, One Life All In. You know, I met these guys a long time ago when the Spud Monsters were on tour. They would come to our shows, and they were big fans of the band, and we became really good friends. And then they asked me, they were in a band called Seekers of the Truth, and they asked me to do a guest spot on one of their albums, and I did. And, you know, through the years, you know, uh, they just had this plan. They're like, hey, you know, let's do a little side project. And I, I really didn't want to do it at first, but... Um, it's cool. Yeah, you know, I started getting the music. I said, well, send me something. We'll see, you know, if we can move forward with it. You know, I, I, I want to be inspired. I don't want to just do it because they're my friends, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and, and, and we were just talking before this, too. Like, one thing about all these bands, and we'll get into all this, but one thing about all these bands that I found, and I've been listening to all of them all week, and for good reason. They're, they're catchy, and you, you kind of get addicted to it. You want to keep listening <laughs> to it. Thank you. But there is a common, you know, they're all, the musically, there's some definitely different things going on musically. It's all, but it's not really. I mean, because it's all that real, that metal, co hardcore stuff. And, and this stuff you're doing now, for anybody just to get an idea, Constantly, I was reminded of Anthrax throughout this entire stuff. Listening to this, Const oh, really? <laughs> constantly, not where, not when I wrote, I'm like, "Well, you sound like Anthrax." I'm just saying, reminded me of where there was just certain things. Even the way you sing, sometimes you have a Joey Belladonna thing. Sometimes where your voice can hit those. Yeah, yeah I mean, really like impressive, very cool, super catchy stuff. Wow, thanks. You, and and uh, you guys, you use a lot of those uh, gang vocals. You got. You know, like today where everybody's going back and forth with the, you got the the Cookie Monster guy and then yeah. the singer or the <laughs> rapper and then the singer. You kind of have that old school gang vocal thing that the hardcore guys used to all do back even in the 80s and stuff. It was real prevalent. And even stuff. when Kiss, Kiss did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. where I got it from. And and it's like, it's a back and forth almost play that you yeah. do with it too, man. And it's catchy as hell. And it, it cool. gets you going. Thanks. Excellent stuff. Thank you. Um, I think you're also well known as being very acrobatic on stage. Yeah, I'm a little um, bit. Uh, yeah, you're, fluid up there. you're kind of maniacal <laughs> in your own way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but you can do things that a lot of people can't do because you're in great shape. You're a motivational speaker on top of things, other yeah. things. You, you, you're a motivational guy. You love to motivate. You love to teach people. You're all over the place, man. You have so much going on. You're another one of them guys we want to talk about as far as time management goes and how you do all these things and keep things going. Yeah. But let's let's go back a little bit. I want to go back to, to like, before all this stuff. Like, are you originally from Cleveland area? I mean, how were that? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in and around Cleveland and the suburbs and stuff. And then, you know, directly in Cleveland, you know, all my life. And then, you know, like, when I got out of high school, I moved in. Cleveland over off Riverside, you know, right 25th and yeah. 71 area right there. Met the guys in Purgatory and, you know, you know, had this house where all the 
people in bands would live periodically and stuff. It was cool. That was one of the houses. Oh yeah, this was, and it was your house that they would all go to. Well, it was a buddy I went to high school with bought this house. It was a little crappy twelve thousand dollar, you know, bottom barrel house, a duplex. We lived downstairs. They lived upstairs. Oh, and that became the party house for that was a lot the party of, house for everybody. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. no kidding. <laughs> now, are you already doing the music thing at this point? A little bit, just kind of toying around with the bands, but um, not not doing anything serious. You know? and you're just and you've always been the front guy for these bands too, right? That's been that's, that's what you do. Yeah, you know, it's like what else can you get into in the punk rock world unless you, know, you don't even know have to know how to sing to sing in a punk rock band. Or but you are a singer, band. I mean, but you can sing. I kind of evolved into it, you know. Yeah, you like, can do anything. You got you got a multi <laughs> even that way you're multifaceted. Yeah, I think. thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I even asked Jeff Hatrix whenever I started writing some of my first songs. I'm like, how do I do this? And he's like. There's no rules, man. Just make it cool and make it your own. And that's what you did. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I'm still doing that today. You know, I'm still writing stuff that um, challenges me. I don't like to write the same record over and over. You know, I want to do something new and fresh and exciting. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but the Spud Monsters was the band that you first, I think, that's when you very first kind of hit the scene in a bigger way. And that's what yeah. people would first know you from them days. Yeah. And Spud Monsters were a real big band back yeah. in the day. They were real big. Yeah, I auditioned for them, and I didn't make the cut the first time, you know. So I went and started uh, a band with my buddy Scott Dolan called The Bagmen, and um, started, yeah, and we recorded like an EP and, you know, started playing some shows. We did some cool shows. We played with Sick of It All. We played with, um, uh, what SNFU, um, oh. some cool bands, you know. And um, then one night I was at a show at the Fantasy Theater, or Fantasy Nightclub, and Chris Andrews, the guitarist leader of the Spud Monsters, came up to me and he's like, hey, you still interested in singing for us? Because I had like three auditions and they didn't know who they wanted to take yet. It was between me and some dude named Stiffo. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm still interested. He said, welcome aboard. He shook my hand. He's like, we got to get started quick, though. We got a lot to do. And I was like... Yeah, no shit. So no it was like, shit. We practiced every day, sometimes even on Sundays, and we go through the entire set two, three times. It was pretty militant, but it was cool. But it was it was the education that I didn't have that I needed to be a serious musician, you know. So they're very well disciplined. Oh yeah, saying. and when I started singing, I, I was singing out of time. I was singing out of key. There was all kinds of stuff that it's like I needed to learn how to do things in a professional manner, which I didn't, you know, and it was cool. It was, it was great. It was. So, so did, would you say you, this just took some time though? Like you evolved into all this over the, over the course of the Spud Monsters? Yeah. Is yeah. It, it was, I was always in school when I was in the Spud Monsters, you know, we, we just were always going at it. If we weren't in the studio, we were playing shows or we were rehearsing. We were always doing something. There was always something on the docket, you know, it's like, where are we playing this weekend? What, what's next? We always had some goals. And if you're a goal-oriented band, you can do so much. If you, if you don't have goals, if you don't always have something on your calendar, then you get complacent, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, that's one thing. You guys, like, you know, just weren't a local band. Spud Monsters played around the world. I think, like, some, like, 23 countries or something you guys played in and, and yeah. covered a lot. You know, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, it started off, we were playing kind of like the Northeast Coast. We'd go to New York and Michigan, Pennsylvania. We'd 
Which is that? Which was like you're the music that the Spud Monsters were doing. That's where it thrived. Was yeah. that whole East Coast? But we were playing some shitholes. I mean, we were playing at the ABC No Rio in New York City. That's like this squat. It's they don't even have they have cables going out of this place to play people that have like electricity. Oh, no yeah. Kidding. And I looked at this old flyer when we played there, and like a couple of days before Green Day played there, and it was before they were like really big. And um, somebody got stabbed and murdered there that night. And um, we're like, oh, my God, we're playing the ABC. Are you a little nervous at that point? (laughs) No, it was kind of cool. You know, the guy from Maximum Rock and Roll was there. He's like, hey, I've been wanting to see you guys for a while. And he was, like, really nice and cool. And it was just a real punk rock scene there. But, you know, we ended up going through New York playing CBGBs, playing uh, ABC No Rio, playing... uh, Coney Island High. These are like really cool places. Played the Ritz in uh, Long Island. So the more we went there, the more, you know, we got a buzz going each time and had a little bit bigger of a show each time. So you could actually see the growth. You were watching it before your eyes happening. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we got signed to uh, Massacre Records in Out Germany. Out of Germany. Oh, yeah. wow. And that was cool. Um, our old bass player, Joe Kilcoin. Oh, He's yeah. the one that gave them our demo and said, hey, you got to check these guys out. They got, like, this really great buzz going on. And um, so, you know, they offered us a tour in Europe with Mucky Pup. And we're like, Mucky Pup, okay. And they were kind of a punk rock band. I knew who they were, but, and that tour was canceled last minute. And then there was a, a promoter, Carlos Fleischmann from Germany, and he says, you know, Massacre Records was owed a favor by him. And he said, okay. I have the Biohazard tour. Spud Monsters can be on that, you know, for like 14, 15 shows. And we were like, Biohazard? Biohazard was blowing yeah, up huge. on the Urban Discipline tour. And we were like, wow. So our album came out like that day when we showed up, you know, on the flights. So we get to Germany. We go to our record label. They show us boxes and boxes of spud monsters potato chips spud monsters beer spud monsters frisbees here's our cd they branded you guys everything it was awesome and they had posters you know like tour posters of our album and everything and we're like whoa so we go to munich germany it's our first first show of the tour it's in this big airport hangar and there's like three thousand people there packed and we're getting ready to go on stage, and we're just kind of like, whoa, we're here. We're doing this, you know? And um, we're about to go on stage, and Evan from Biohazard says, yo. That, he opened every sentence with yo. He's from Brooklyn, New York. He's like, yo, don't worry about these people. They're just checking you out. Don't don't expect them to dance for you or, or cheer or anything. They'll be into you. You guys are a good band. I'm like, all right. So I was like, come on, man. Let's tear this up. Let's go nuts. I just went out there. I'm like, you motherfuckers ready or what? And I just dove in the crowd. I'm like, let's go. You know, I was just like fired up. And the crowd actually did move for us. They went they went off for us. And it was awesome. Oh, yeah. So we played the whole set. And these p- people were like digging it. And it was awesome. I was coming off the side of the stage. And I wrote about this in my book. And I come off the side of the stage. And I, I looked down the corridor. And the whole hallway is just packed with people. And it looked like there was a big fight going on. I'm like, wow, what's happening, you know? And Evan... He's standing there, he goes, yo, man, they're fighting to get to your merch table. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was just blown away. Wow. This is like your introduction to all this. first show in Europe. Wow. We're touring in this little Winnebago 
with a little trailer behind it, and that was luxury for us because we were always in the smelly little van that had exhaust issues. Yeah. We smelled like exhaust fumes all the time, but it was like, whoa, we hit the big time, you know. It's so like, this is like the same story we keep we've heard a few times already with the other guys, where it's like, in in Europe, it's just you guys are like a whole different. It's just totally yeah. a different world for you guys, right? Yeah, it's amazing. It was like really cool. We were just like, wow, we're here. You so, know? so when you get there and you see this merch that they got for you, all this stuff that they branded, you said potato chips. Yeah, potato chip. Spud uh, monsters. I mean, it makes total sense to have potato chips. They did it kind of cheap, though. They just slapped a sticker over a Lay's bag, but it's like <laughs> Spud monsters. <laughs> and then they had like some Spud monsters beer, but it was cool. It was like yeah. we were being branded. Did, did, did you? Was... But what I was gonna say, did you have any idea that that they were doing any of that stuff beforehand, no. or is it all surprising? So this had to be just you. No, we're tearing open boxes that had our vinyl in there. We were tearing open boxes that had CDs, and we're like, wow, that's our CD. And um, I can't wow. remember the guy's name. Uh, his last name's Marshall, but he did the Creator album covers and stuff. But oh, he yeah. did our album cover too, where these Spud like monster—they made him like really evil looking dudes, you know, holding the heads of Axl Rose and oh, Nick really? Jagger oh, and yeah, all this yeah, yeah. stuff. You know, and we're like, what's this? But it's cool, <laughs> whatever. We're a bit controversial, so yeah. And and you know, like what other thing we we heard is in Europe, bands that come from Cleveland. That, you know, that would get your attention if you were from Europe. People like, oh, a Cleveland band. Oh, we got to yeah. check that out. Because that's that's what, you know, you had Mystic, which was real big. Yeah. You had uh, you guys that was that was real good there. And uh, who's the other band I'm forgetting about? Torment was over there. Yeah, Torment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, Juan. Juan Ricardo, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then Winner's Bane, that was uh, uh, Ripper Owens' band. You know, yeah. they were on Massacre. Oh, also. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and just amazing. And, and... What's funny? Oh, and Destructors, another one that was, was yeah. The Manimals the, even went over yeah, there. Yeah, Manimals too. Also, Larry the yeah, Wolf, another one, house, another man. one. Yeah, and 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 Breaker. Yeah, I man. think Shock Paris even went over there. Yeah, and and did well. Yeah, and did well. Because the they'll whole... play these festivals where it's just all metalheads and they love it. Yeah, Destructors playing some up. festivals over there this in this summer. They got two yeah. festivals over Europe in Germany, I believe. Both yeah, of them. That's, that's cool. Awesome. That's, that's cool. Great. They still they're it. still doing it. I love that too. I think that's so cool. Okay, so. The Spud Monsters. Yeah. So you were doing the Spud Monsters thing, and you did that for how long? Ooh, the first, uh, it's like nine years, oh, ten, that, that, ten years, oh, and cool. then we disbanded, went our own way. Scott went to uh, New York City, played with the Cro-Mags, and then he played with uh, the guys in Agnostic Front and uh, Madball, started their own band. And uh, now he's still playing in a band called The Take over there. And then Eric, our drummer, and Eric, the guitarist, they went and played in propane and did like five albums with them. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they tried out for, uh, Scott and Eric tried out for Machine Head and had a great audition and stuff, but they ended up going with a couple of local guys from San Francisco. But that would have been cool. But we were friends with those guys, but, you know, they came back and went and did their own thing. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So you guys disbanded, and what are you going to do after that? How, what, what, where does your life go? Uh, well, I started a band called Run Devil Run, and we signed with uh, Ice Cream Records. Um, there was this journalist over in Europe. His name is Ono Cromag. Actually, today's the anniversary of his passing, but uh, he was a great friend of mine. And he said, and he was he was a writer for this uh, magazine called Heavy Older Vas, Heavier What, you know, big color magazines, kind of like Kerrang is here, and he said. And he had this real thick accent. Don Fus, I don't give a shit if you fucking go in the studio and puke in there. I want that product. I will get you signed. 
He, he goes, I don't care what it sounds like. I just want it. So I was like, all right, cool, man. So I got some friends together. I said, hey, let's do an old school hardcore band. Kind of like Spud Monsters, but, you know, more old school New York style, agnostic front, chrome egg style, bad brain, something. And we put together what became Run Devil Run and um, did a European tour right away, like a 36-show tour. We split a tour bus with Propane, and a couple of Spuds guys were in that band, so we had that in with them, and it went really well. And then we went and played the Dynamo Festival with uh, Metallica and S.O.D. played. Wow, uh, S.O.D. Yeah, and uh, what's the band? Uh, they go out on the stage with their motorcycles. Not Judas Priest. No, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're a great band, though. Uh, I can't remember what the hell they're called. You would, you'd know them. So at this point in time, is it is are you in a situation where the Don Foose name already kind of like legitimizes a situation? So if you walk into a band... Don Foose is playing in this band. Is that is this now a situation where now that band can get put on a bill because yeah. they, they they trust you in your ability? Yeah, everything we were doing was like featuring ex Spud Monsters vocalist, and okay. then our, our bass player was the singer from Brothers Keeper. So it was like also and Mike Ski from Brothers Keeper. So this is almost like an, this is almost like an all star band. Yeah, type. and then our drummer Richie Ferjanic, you know, he was in um, Cold, uh, in Cold Blood, and they were. Uh, Victory Records band. And then, you know, our second album on in Run Devil Run, we were on Victory Records, too, which was the biggest hardcore label in the world. Sweet. And and, and are you doing most of your stuff now overseas at, at this yeah, point? Yeah, my only band right now is One Life All In. No, 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 not right now. I'm talking about at that point in time, though. Oh, so so at, at that, that point in time, are you, are you, everything is overseas, basically, as far as where you're really seeing the success and that's where you're kind of like doing most of the touring and most yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was it. And then, you know, we would do weekends and like short tours around here. We would go do Chicago and, you know, just hit the little, little stuff, but it yeah, wasn't a week or two here and there. So why do you think, why do you think it was so much? What, what's the difference there? Do you have any ideas? I mean, do you have a, 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 yeah, because you could play in a small Bavarian village and it's an event there. It's like, in Cleveland, you've got 10 venues, and any day of the week you can go and find a show. But it's a big event in some of these places, and the people love it. And, like, when we're playing the Eastern Bloc of Europe, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, these people, they come out, and it's their life. They want to come. I don't know if you read the story in there where we were playing the show. I took my shirt off. It was this old, nasty social distortion shirt. It was all ripped up, and I was soaking wet. It was such a hot show. And I went to put my shirt down. And everyone's like, oh, we want the shirt. We want the shirt. And I just threw it. And they all jumped at it. And like 10 people just pulled the shirt. And I'm like, oh, the shirt's ruined. You know, somebody probably wanted that shirt. They just wanted a piece of the shirt so they could have a piece of memorabilia of wow. the show. And that floored me. And then after the show, I went, took a shower. I'm hanging out by the merch stand. And some kid said, oh, I see you have Levi's. Levi's blue jeans? I go, yeah, yeah. I didn't think anything of it. He goes, I dream to someday be able to have a pair. And right there and then I, I took my pants off. And I'm like, take them, dude. He was wow. roughly my size. I'm like, you can have them. I saw what it means to these people to go to a show and enjoy themselves. And I saw what we take for granted in America. And it really 
made my heart swell. Changed you, know? you, changed you a lot inside at that point? A lot of this stuff? That yeah, I have a lot of um, life lessons just by interacting with people who appreciate so much that we take for granted in America. Well, and not, not that that was a segue or anything, but for life lessons, if they want to know about some of them, this book, yeah. is that's what this is. This is all your life lessons in a book, and one of the things that I love about this book is the fact that each lesson is only about two and a half pages yeah, long, right. <laughs> and you, you like like you can literally. What I was actually doing was I would lay down at night and to read, and I'd lay, I'd have my book there, and I'd get through one chapter, and I'd be like, oh, second, and then you, you don't have to like stop in the middle of a chapter. You'll always finish the chapter, and then you close up and you go to sleep, and and yeah. it was always nice, complete awesome stories that you would tell. And there was always like the one thing I also liked about it is you didn't always feel it necessary to explain the lesson. Yeah. You would just tell the story and let the story explain the lesson. You didn't have to have the, and, so what and, I got out of that yeah, was yeah, yeah, none of that stuff. So it's a really good read. And, and, and a lot of stuff Thank we're going to talk about, I think today is probably in this book. So people want to, this is a good book for that. It's oh. really a good read. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me too, because I sometimes feel like I have imposter syndrome. Like I'm not really a writer. I'm not really a singer. I'm not this, but you know, some people say, Hey, I really like your album or I like your book. And that means a lot to me. Even if just a small handful of people appreciate it, then I'm satisfied. I think that imposter syndrome thing, I think that's, that's another phrase for humility. You know, I think that's pro probably a lot of what it is. You do. You always come across very humble too, which oh, is thanks. really, <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. All right. And uh, we'll be back here in a couple minutes with Mr. Don Foos. You're listening to Level Up Cleveland. Hello, everybody. Big Bry here. This June 10th Level Up Cleveland concert series presents Bittersweet Revenge. You can try to Olathea. And Craig Martini. See them all June 10th at the Maple Grove Tavern. Show starts at 8 p.m. 21 or over. Go to levelupcleveland.com for tickets and information. And we are back with Mr. Don Foose. Howdy, Spud Monsters. Foose, One Life All In, he's in a bunch of stuff. His book is Motivate Me, a memoir of inspirational quotes, stories, and life lessons. Um, so we were talking a little bit about the past, basically, when you were kind of like, you know, post-Spud uh, Monsters and stuff. And at this point, you know, you're, you're kind of a rock star, right? I mean, like, you know, like maybe, maybe it's kind of weird to hear it yeah. being said, but you kind of are. I mean, like... You have a whole huge group of fans who are who are know who you are. You're very well known at this point as a musician, especially in Europe and mostly in yeah. Europe, but but in locally too. I mean, especially this this area, the Cleveland area, Spud Monsters are, are actually a pretty big band locally also. Um, how are you guys? Like, do you get caught up a little bit in this in this at this point in life? I mean, you're still a young dude too, right? I mean, you're 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 still a young guy. Yeah. Um. You get kind of caught up in it a little bit, did you? No. No, you know, I've always wanted, like, my father to be proud of me. I've always wanted to look back at my life and say, you know, I did all right. And um, I've gotten to play in 23 countries. I got paid to do it. 
I didn't yeah. even, nothing came out of my pocket, you know? I got to see beautiful things in the world. I got all these life lessons like we're talking about. I remember one time I went to a restaurant with my father. He lives down in Florida, but he came to visit me and my sister. And uh, we're at the restaurant. This was when Spud Monsters uh, Stop the Madness album first came out. And I wrote about that in the book, too. Um, we're eating dinner, and these kids come... They're like, oh my God, look at you, hey, it's Don Foos. Hey, we have all your al- your album, and we got the seven inches and all this stuff. And they were, you know, uh, saying that. And my dad didn't realize, he knew I played in a band, but he thought, you know, we played in basements or something or in a garage, just having yeah, right. fun. And this dude's like, oh, can, I'm going to go out and get your, I got your album in my car. And he brought it in, he's like, will you sign it? And you know, we signed this jacket and all this stuff. I'm signing all this stuff, and my dad's looking at me like, "What the hell's going on here?" You know. But um, at the time, are you feeling kind of like, "Oh, I'm glad my dad gets to see this type of thing." Are you feeling good about that? I, at I least? did. I did. I have to admit, I felt good about it because I failed so much, so many times when I was growing up. You know, I always quit things. Um, I think my father was really let down. You know, he wanted me to be an electrician, and I never wanted to be an electrician. And, um, you know, but, you know, those kids left and, uh, he, I remember him soberly telling me, he said, I'm really proud of of you. You know, you're really doing something with your life. So I have a chapter in the book, it's called success and it's how I gauged my success. You know, the things I set out in my life to do and really set my heart to it and, you know, I'm not a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I'm very successful because, you know, I've been to go, you know, up in the Swiss Alps and and in Austria and Italy. And Well, you lived your dreams, basically, yeah. is what you've gotten to do. And, you know, another thing that I think would be interesting in your, about your situation is when you hear a lot of these bands who've done tours, especially like world tours, you know, people are always like, well, what's it like being in this place? And, and they're like, dude, I the same four walls in every place we go to is what we look at, and then we're shipped to the next place. We never, but I would think a band like you guys, yeah. ha, you had time to kind of go out, or did you not? I get to the club first thing in the morning. Everybody's sleeping because they party all night. I get to bed at a reasonable hour. I get up five, six in the morning, seven in the morning. Even whatever. then, you were always this way. Yeah, because I would try to get to bed early, wake up do uh, my morning routine, whether it's working out or whatever. And I, I go out with a camera in my hand and uh, some bottles of water, and I just go. And um, That's what you did. Yeah, all the time. Take it all in as I much as you can. So huh? many pictures and so many memories of, of what we did. And, like, it just popped in my head. Another thing I wrote about in the book is, you know, measuring success. I remember <laughs> we played in Hamburg, Germany. I think it was in Hamburg. And um, we were coming off the stage, and, these beautiful girls, they were like, they looked like supermodels. And they're like, oh, we were so excited to watch your band. And we want to know if you'd like to come and make party with us after the show. I'm like, yeah, let me check, you know, check with our driver and make sure it's cool. So, uh, yeah, we went and stayed at these girls' flat, you know, in Hamburg. And um, <laughs> they're bouncing around this house, you know, half-dressed and uh cooking for us and stuff and they had this big tv on the wall it wasn't flat screens way before flat screens it was a big tv on the wall and um 
I remember waking up in the morning and seeing the Spud Monsters Garbage Day video on MTV. Oh, shit. And, and the dude's like, that's the Spud Monsters who are currently on tour with Biohazard. You know, and, and you're and watching this. Like, we're watching it. We got these beautiful girls bouncing around, like, making pancakes for us. And, and it was just like, I remember looking at Scott, our guitarist, and I said, dude, we made it. That's success, I was going to say. I was yeah. like, oh, there's the measure and of I remember, success. And I remember thinking, this, is, this must be what Motley Crue feels like. You know? <laughs> what they, yeah, at one point. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was really cool. You know, just... Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's like it's surreal, right? I mean, like like yeah. life feels like for a second here, it's just not real. You're some you're somebody else, or you're something else, or whatever. Yeah, um, that's got to be awesome, though. It's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. it's a great feeling, and you know, just I, I, you know, like the kind of music you guys did, even Spud Spud Monsters, all the way through. Yeah. It, it lends itself to um, crowd participation as far as vocally yeah. goes, right? I mean, like you can really feel like your songs are sung throughout. Your shows. I mean, I could imagine that's definitely going on, especially the gang yeah. vocal parts where it's almost like those parts are almost like saying, okay, this is for you guys, right? You know, it's almost like that, right? Yeah. What's that like? You wrote these words, right? I mean, like these are words that you sat down one day yeah. and that you penned them all out and wrote them all out and you formed them. And right now that's all they are. But now you're up there and you're hearing them sung back to you and stuff like that. What's that like? That's an amazing feeling. And I have such a strange writing style. Like, I have a sauna in my living room. Oh, no yeah, shit. Yeah, it's a three-man sauna. It's a big... In your living room? In the living room. It's kind of like a yoga room that we have. My wife and I do yoga in there, and we have the sauna. But I will go in there, and I'll sit down, and I'll get in a meditative state of mind, and, like, I'll just write lyrics. And when I'm writing, I'm writing in the mindset that I'm singing this live. Oh. And the people... Are participating with me when I'm doing those backing vocals. I hear their voices singing it with me with my mic. Oh, I see. That's where I get that vibe. So you and, and so you're almost writing based on the experience of playing live. So like you, since you've done it yeah. now so many times and yeah. so many other things, you kind of understand how this this two way thing works. Yeah, I know it right now. I know it gets me off live, and I want to bring that every time I write a song. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because, you know, like a couple other things, like I would hear some suicidal type stuff in there sometimes, yeah. and, then, and I would hear Nuclear Assault. Like Nuclear Assault yeah. was one of these bands that I... John Conley. Yeah, Conley. What dude. a great voice. Cool. And yeah. I sometimes I hear it. That's what they've mentioned that in European magazines. No usually about kidding. my voice. Yeah, which I don't see the, no, the similarity, but I love the guy. There's so some times cool. where at the end of a line that tails off, it would sound like a Conley thing, because he had that specific voice that... Nobody yeah. else had. Right, right. And and so but I hear it I hear that in there. Definitely the anthrax stuff. Even in the even in the rhythms and stuff, like yeah. cool shit. The way you guys break down songs, you yeah. put a breakdown in there and they're just purely for the mosh part. Exactly. That is it, man. Yeah. They're perfect, you know. Cool shit. The crowd has to be a part of our songs. Hell yeah, dude. It's, there's, the, the, your music is set up for live. Yeah, a lot of bands shit. play stuff and they'll play one meter all the way through you have to have climax breakdowns oh yeah build up speed changing yeah constantly. Oh, no, there's, there's a yeah there's a, a system to writing a song the beatles did it best you know oh, Beatles yeah. know how to write a song yeah yeah well and, and the other thing you you, you kind of experienced or, or played with was just pure punk stuff too i mean there's some times where it's just 
you know, Foose, for instance. Yeah. Some of the Foose stuff is a little more on the punky side and mm-hmm. one-minute song, two-minute song yeah. here, you know, get the point across, done, move on. Right. Pop song, pop riff. Those are my favorites. Yeah, you know, and you're done, <laughs> and you're, uh, and, and that's what it is, man. I'll tell you what, like, if, if people like hard music and they, and they listen to this stuff, if they haven't heard it, if they they will love it. Oh, thanks. They will love <laughs> it, man. So then, so then, at some point, and we were talking that you're an author. Um, you, this isn't the only book that you've written. Actually, you wrote a book before this. Yeah. And uh, uh, Raw Life, which actually which we uh, have. I, oh, I have that I've shirt, got on, right shirt here. on. What's up, everybody? Raw Life. Now you're really into this stuff too. I mean, this is this is this is your diet, your food. You're yeah. you're all about um, eating raw vegetables. You're about fasting, juicing. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff, and you're really into it, and you're real knowledgeable about it. You've learned a lot through the years. Another thing that you, you know, you seem to be one of the people that you, t- you, you if you something strikes you is interesting, yeah, it gets it's like all it. in, right? Yeah. So, and and that's what you did here too, and it's obviously worked for you, yeah, because you look amazing. Oh, thanks. You do you, too. <laughs> you, I could. I, I, I'm watching some vi- video of you even similar like recently stuff you, you still move around you're doing them same eddie van halen jumps where your legs are yeah. doing the splits in the kicks, air yeah, yeah and, you're, and you're like 12 feet off the ground and i'm like right. he's still doing it like most people's knees would have been shot by now as much <laughs> as stuff that stuff so so something's working for you right i mean like and and you can and if people want to know what it is you have a book out that says well this is this is how i do it right yeah you know i i do yoga i eat right i juice i take uh Chinese medicinal herbs that, you know, restore your jing, you know, the jing or the genes that your parents give you at the time of conception, you know, they start to deplete at the age of like 35, 40. Yeah. But if you restore your jing, taking these herbs, you know, you never get old, you know. And do you feel it? Yeah, I feel great. Really? Now, do you, do you, we were talking about in your earlier years, a lot of parties and stuff going on. Yeah. Do you still, do you still enjoy partying ever anymore or you well, I party but I just don't I don't take any intoxication or nothing I haven't had a, I haven't even had tap water in 30 years <laughs> no kidding yeah. it's like I um so you have this very specific regiment that you have this, this yeah is and you know and I'm strict with myself but lenient with others I'm not this guy that's carrying some flag and clobbering people over the head with my beliefs <laughs> and you know whether it's religion or or you know, diet or whatever. I got my thing, you know. What you do, you do for you. I do for me. You know, everybody's got their own drum to beat, you know, and uh, that's what I do. Well, in in, a, in some way, it seems like, though, that you could just simply lead by example because of, this, like, you don't just, like, preach it. You live it, and you, yeah. it's quite obvious that these things are taking place and stuff. I mean, dude, you know, the kind of music that you've always played, it's, it's not really an easy music to get famous or popular doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. There's a lot of bands that did this and didn't, yeah. you know, tons of them. And, and and you somehow figured out how to, like, become that. And it, it, it has so much to do with what you put into it, right? Yeah, and you know what? We did a show with Faith No More back when the Real Thing album came out. We played with them at Peabody's Down Under, and that was one, that's one of my very f- first few shows I ever did with the Spud Monsters. And I remember talking to Mike Patton and he said, you just got to stick it out and play a lot. Just keep grinding. You know, whenever everybody else is sitting at home, you know, partying and stuff, you got to be out there grinding. Just play show after show after show, tour after tour after tour. And the first Spud Monsters album, we did three European tours 
and um, what else do we, we three European tours we did a Canadian tour two US tours just on that album that first album wow yeah it was crazy we did and you were and you were you were um, opening for a lot of yeah well, we, our first tour was opening for Biohazard we came home we had such a great response that um, you know we uh, Carlos Fleischman right away said hey listen Propane and Life of Agony are coming over both of them, their first tour ever, it'd be great to sandwich you guys together. So we did another tour, and it was like two, 3,000 people a night, every night on that tour, too, and that was huge. Then after that, Billy Milano from SOD had his band MOD. Method of Destruction. Yeah, and it was their very first European tour. So we kind of co-headlined that with them. Wow. Yeah, and then on that, and then... Uh, then we came home and we got Debbie Abono to be our manager. She was she managed Possessed, uh, Forbidden, uh, a lot of the Bay Area thrash bands. As I said, from the California area. So she had the uh, choice to um, uh, manage us or Green Day, and she chose us. Really? <laughs> Which we, yeah, we tell her that that was yeah. her biggest well, mistake hey. ever made. But she <laughs> she was very wealthy. Her her uh, whole family owned oh. a chain of banks and the. So this was like a hobby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for her. You know, she got the band, you know, Possessed, which was Larry Lalonde's band. Yeah, and, uh, Possessed was, uh, it was Larry Lalonde Primus, was. Primus guys. Yeah, yeah he, but, but he was the kid in the band at the time. Yeah. I actually but met them dating. at Chris Warp Records. I met them. Oh, really? Yeah, they, wow. they did an in-store, Possessed did an in-store there. And I met I met the whole band when Larry Lalonde at the time was 16 years old. Wow. He was just an acne, pimple-faced young kid. And he asked us, so the dudes I was with, if, Bars didn't card in Lakewood. Mm. Yeah, they were they were in Lakewood yeah, yeah. at the time, and we were like, they, they all <laughs> card around here, dude. And there was all some other places, but but yeah, I met him. Uh, Jeff Becerra was the singer yep. of Possessed yep. at the time, and then uh, what's his name from Primus? Uh, well, Claypool didn't play with them. He eventually, I think he played. Maybe, with them maybe but but no, they had, because I used to know all their name, Mike Mike. Mike Correa or whatever was one of the guitar players. I can't remember. I used to know all of them. I used to love Possessed. Yeah. Well, Larry was dating Debbie Abona, our manager's daughter, and that's that's how she got into managing bands. Oh. They were like, hey, can you be our manager? She's like, I don't know anything about managing. I manage banks. Yeah. So she just started calling clubs, and she was just this little cute old lady that was – she was a really pretty lady, just too, took though. interest in it. She uh-huh. looked like uh, Linda Evans, you oh. know, very – pretty older lady and she'd call people and club owners were like, hey, yeah, she's really sweet, you know, and yeah. they booked, you know, she managed Violence, remember Violence? Yeah, yeah. They're a great band too. Violence. Violence, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I know you, you brought up the Mike Patton quote. You brought up that, that he that he had told you that and, you know, yeah. and, and I, as I was reading through this book and, and going through it, that happens a lot in your life where you'll meet somebody who somehow is inspirational to you and they'll say something to you, and it's just that one line or that thing that stuck, sticks with you, and you could literally, your whole life now goes in a whole different direction from yeah. that point on, and you accredit these these one, there's yeah. something that sticks with you. That just seems like that's how things went with you, right? I mean, Yeah, I, I, I get mine. You know, like when I meet somebody, I get something out of it, and I take it, and I, and I use it. Like yeah. I, I'm getting a lot out of this conversation that we're having. I'm going to take it from here, and I'm going to use it in my life. You know, like... When you get knowledge from people, if you don't use it, you're a miser. You know, if you get good, credible, you know, um, advice from somebody, if you don't use it, I mean, what's the, what's the point? We're here yeah. to learn. So. so 
So, so basically, you're always somebody who's always evaluating themselves and trying to better yourself in some way. Like that's a, that's a constant quest of yours, right? Would yeah. that be would that be accurate? Yeah, I I still think I have a long way to go, you know, and and I never feel like I've reached the pinnacle of my life. You know, it's like I always want to better myself. Like I said, sometimes I feel like I have imposter syndrome, and that's a good thing because I don't want to ever feel like I made it. You know, and it's like let me keep advancing in my life and and doing things and i have i still got a lot on my bucket list and and that's like the first chapter of the book sailing sees a consequence the story about david lee roth you know yeah He's talking about these uh it's another one schoolmates you know they're like hey must be nice being david lee roth and he's like you chose that bank job we were on the same starting blocks at graduation day you chose that bank job i chose to sail the seas of consequence you know, hearing that story, that's why I was like, that's got to be the first chapter. That was a very inspirational quote, you know, like hearing that. It's like, that's my life. I'm I'm a nomad. I like to get out there. Take chances. Take some risks. You yeah. can't, you know, like. What's the worst thing you can do? You're gonna safety fail. isn't everything. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? People are a little too safe, I think, today, right? Yeah, you might mess up your hair, break a couple bones, but who cares? Get back on that horse and, and go uh, experience life, you know. I've gotten to see so much because I haven't, you know, uh. You know, my father was so like, don't take too many risks, you know, you know, he's like, well, they all, well, anyway, right, he just loved me. He was just looking yeah, out protection for protection is, is number one. Right. But yeah, you know, like speaking of breaking bones and messing up your hair and stuff like that. So when I'm watching you on stage and I'm watching the, some of the, the, the things that you do and you and like, you'll just all of a sudden be crouched down and you'll be like, this is time for a somersault. And you just dive out there and just, you just do a somersault. And you'll come back up. And then and then one minute you'll be jumping up on the, the, the riser. And you're just like, well, it's a good time to do this. Like, what makes you decide when it's a good time to do I, things? I don't. Is, is it all impulsive? Like, is you are you just like, yeah. I'm just going to do these things? Like, is the whole adrenaline and the whole thing, it just kind of like takes over? And, and yeah. you just are. Because. I'm wondering that as I'm watching him, like, <laughs> is any of this choreographed? Is any of this, like, at this moment I'm supposed to do this? Or is no. it just you just... It's like when I look back at a video, I'm like, I did that? <laughs> like, if you look at, there's a video, One Life All In, Beats the Daylights Out of Me. That's the video of the song. The roadie that was with us was videoing us on the short European tour we were doing. And I jump out of the balcony into the crowd. Oh, my God. And... After the show, you know, our bass player was like, I I thought you were crazy. I, I thought you were losing your mind, you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that, huh? <laughs> but in the heat of the moment, it's just I'm going on emotion. I'm going on a vibe. And it's like I don't say it's not choreographed. It's not like I'm going to jump up and do a scissor kick, land on the beat, then look at the crowd and say, let's do this. You know, it's like yeah. I'm not like that. It's like. If it, that's it, the vibe, so, but that's what I do. So, you know? it, it, it's just like, if, if you <laughs> notice, so you don't even know you're doing it, so it's kind of hard to ask this because um, what I'm saying is, like, did this improve over time where you were able, or is this just you being you on stage and come, that, that comes out? Yeah, it's just me being me. Uh, I remember we played CBGBs and the guys from Sick of It All were at the show, and I remember uh, Armand, the drummer, he told me, he's like, man, you look pretty natural doing that. And even the bass player from the Bad Brains, Daryl Jennifer, said it doesn't look forced when, you, when you're doing that. No, it you doesn't. It's a, you, are a, you are a show in yourself up there. I mean, yeah, like, it's just like, a vibe. Cool, man. It was, it's, it's cool to watch, dude. <laughs> and I, and I, but you, you have to ask yourself, you're like, 
is this is this all improv? You know, what I mean, it's because it just seems so something like you say. You you land on a beat or you'll or you'll. Yeah. It's like I don't know how you're doing some of this stuff. That dumb jumps you do, dude. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck you even get that high off the fuck. Yeah, air foos. <laughs> air foos, dude. I love it, man. Yeah. So after after all that, at what point do you start up the band Foos? And and, and why and how did like it, how was this? How does your life? At that point, I in took time. a few years off after Run Devil Run. That was like in '02, and then I adopted my son in '03. Oh, and um, how did that? Now, what was that all about? Well, my niece had a baby, and she was gonna put him in foster care. And my wife at the time and I were like, "Ah, man, you can't put that kid in the system." And we weren't even planning on having kids, but we said we didn't want to see that happen to this kid. So we took him in, and one day in, it was like we fell in love with him, and he's 19 years old today, and going to Lorraine Community College, taking coding, and uh, is working at a bank. You know, oh, sweet. yeah, he's grown up. <laughs> but sweet. you know, I coached his baseball growing up, and his football and basketball, and did a lot of things. Best friends growing up, and you know, I took some years off in his formative yeah. ages. You know, and um, and uh, after five six years, I just decided, uh, hey man, it's time to get the ball rolling again. I got with Ryan Farrell, who's in Mushroomhead, and um, he was playing guitar in Hatrix's Jeffrey Nothing band. And I said, hey, you want to help me write a solo project? And he's like, oh yeah, man, let's do it. He didn't really know much about hardcore. He's more of a metal guy. And gave him some things to listen to and kind of showed him, hey, these are build-ups and breakdowns and mosh parts and all this stuff, you know, and he really knocked it out of the park. We wrote some really cool stuff together, and you, know, you could see the Foos videos on YouTube for, like, um, uh, Let Down is one of the videos, and then, jeez, um, Straight to the Point, and there's, there's just some cool stuff that we put together. Oh, yeah. A band. Like I said before, too, like, even even the Foos stuff, you have a, a signature thing that makes you you no matter who you're with. Yeah, it doesn't matter what's going on. That there's the, there's a thread that runs right through all of this stuff. Sometimes you might you know some of these bands like Foos. There's a little more of a punk edge, if I recall. A little more some even the way you deliver your vocals and stuff. It's got a little more of a punk edge to it than even the Spud Monsters might have had. Yeah, and especially the the One Life stuff is you're you're doing a lot of singing. You're yeah. doing a lot of different vocalizing that I don't even know. And a lot of the earlier stuff you did as much as you're doing no, now. I've had more freedom <laughs> to be who I want to be and who I want to experiment to be, you know. And I found a lot of who I've always wanted to be vocally by having that freedom with these guys. They're like, hey, you're the singer. You do whatever you want. And, you know, and I just played around with stuff. And I was like, I'm really happy I did the one my fall in because it's where I really came out of my shell I still am Don Foose. There's still those gang vocals. There's oh yeah. There's so much more to it. You know, I use my influences of listening to Faith No More, or Fleetwood Mac, or Purgatory, or whatever. I I'm all over the place. I, there's not like a cookie cutter song type that I have to do. You know, it's like I'm going nuts with it. You know? So with these guys being from France and stuff, are you guys having to? Uh get together for everything or do you guys do the old, you know, they're recording the music in France and then send, and you're sending the vocals and stuff for recording purposes. Do you guys do it yeah. that way? 
Well, just for writing, yeah. we send back and forth on the internet. I do my vocals. I got road mic similar to this one, and I, I do that. But then I'll go, I'll fly over there to record the album. We okay. went to Convulse Sound Studios for the first two albums. That went great. And then I'll go over there to tour, or go over there to shoot videos. But then, um, you know, we had to shoot a, a video during COVID time where they shot their parts over there, and I shot mine by myself. And that's for the song um, uh, Sacred Heart. So if you see that, that's them shooting their parts in France, me doing mine in Cleveland, and then we made they, it look like we were in the together. same room. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So but so you have to do both, a little bit of both. Uh, some of the stuff is done through yeah. technology and making it, and, and the others, the rest of it, you guys. Yeah. But you do go over there? And oh, yeah, I go over there a few times a year. But during COVID time, we had to be a little bit uh, creative with it. You like France? Yeah, I love France. Is France one of your favorite European countries, would you yeah, say? Yeah, because I spend most of my time there because that's where my band's from. And yeah, yeah, Lyon yeah, yeah. is such a beautiful, old Lyon is gorgeous. Oh, really, really yeah, nice. Yeah. All right, we're going to take another break. Sounds good. We'll Thank be you. back in a few minutes with Mr. Don Foos. This is Level Up Cleveland. What's going on, Level Up listeners? Signal Flow Studios is a Cleveland recording studio founded in 2013, located in the steel yard just down the hall from Brian and Pat at Level Up Cleveland. At Signal Flow, we pride ourselves in offering top quality audio and a great recording experience to artists here in town and from across the country. But what makes us unique at Signal Flow is our undivided attention to the people who keep us going. That's you, the artists. So come on in and let us make your music our top priority. You can book online at www.signalflowstudio.com or give us a call at 216-920-2075. We'll see you soon. And we are back, everybody, with Mr. Don Foos, Spud Monsters, One Life Fallen. There's so much stuff that he's involved with. A um, couple things that we haven't, we, we kind of didn't talk about was the fact that you mentioned it, but um, back in the day, you know, and, and we, we've had uh, Purgatory on here, we've had Destructor on here, and there was a time, you know, where there was an unbelievable heavy metal scene in this thing where, you know, there was just a few bands. There wasn't a, a ton of them like there is now. There's a lot of yeah. bands now. And they were, you know, specifically, you would have to say it was Breaker, Purgatory, Shock Paris, you had Destructor. And then a little later on, the Spud Monsters Manimals. came on and seen the Manimals did, Black right? Death. Black Death. Black <laughs> yeah. so you had yeah. And you had these bands, and you guys were kind of like a solid unit in a way, right? I mean, like, the, even though even though you guys were all had these different bands, you guys all partied together. You all mm-hmm. knew each other. Everybody was pretty much friends, I mean, at that point, right, in time. Oh, it wasn't yeah. like, what was some of that stuff like back then? I mean, like, you, what, what, what was... You got like any any crazy stuff that was going on back in them days that you remember where you were just like, oh my god, that kind of that happened. Was it was there some moments like who were who were some of your really good friends back then? Who was some of the better friends? Well, uh, I was hanging around Jeff Hatrix a lot, you know, when he was in Purgatory, and you know, I met Dave Overkill, and you know, I'd go to the I'd go to the shows. I saw Overkill and Megadeth at the. Uh, what was that fantasy old Brooklyn Tavern? Oh yeah, oh that one. Oh, yeah, 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 that yeah. Show. yeah. So I mean, yeah, there was the old pop shop. There was uh, the Bohemian Club. There was a lot of these places that a lot of people didn't really know about that you know did a few things. But uh, seen as far as back then, you know, like yeah, I was I was hanging around everybody pretty pur- much purgatory guys and stuff. Yeah. So were you? Did you start off like a punk guy, punk hardcore, and then metal kind of like was. 
Because you definitely are crossing over. I mean, there's a lot of metal in your music, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's not all just punky, hardcore. There's a lot of metal. I got into, <clears throat> you know, a lot of... My mom turned me on to a lot of that old rock, you know, that old Pink Floyd and all oh. that stuff, you know, and Hendrix and Janis Joplin and all that. So I was brought up on a lot of that Vietnam War music and stuff, which was really cool because that gave me an element in my songwriting that a lot of these guys that maybe were brought up in hardcore or, or uh, even the metal didn't really have. You yeah, know, right, right, I think right, right. a little more rounded because I wasn't afraid to use some of my uh, inspiration of people from other genres. A lot of people, whenever they get into hardcore music or metal, they're tunnel just vision. tunnel vision, yeah. You know, and it's like I like to reach outside the box and, and, and use all all the elements to make my own thing. Yeah, well, and you know, like, I think that what you're talking about as far as the tunnel vision goes, I think that it applied to a lot of younger, I was the same way, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was. I was a thrasher. I was yeah. into thrash. I was into the big four and then yep. Testament and Overkill and then also yep. Exodus. And then and then the, the whole poser thing and all that stuff, you know, it was that all that all really happened, and, and, and I was all into that, you know. I, I had very much tunnel vision. But as you get older... And and you, you start to, like, learn more and you become a wiser person and stuff and you absorb more stuff through the years. And it, I think most people tend to kind of, like, change a little bit or, or, yeah. or become more diverse in what they're listening to. How about you? Like, like I, I, don't, I don't hear it a lot in your music. I mean, you seem to still have that same speed. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it like that. The speed at which this music is going, it, that, that part is still... Pretty much the same. Yeah. Do you? But do you? Are you still writing the music you really love, or is this what Don Foose is just really good at? It? Uh, yeah, I, I'm still tapping into old influences. You know, um, when I got into, you know, like I loved classic rock and all that stuff, and it, and then you know, I got into the Ramones and the Dead Boys and um, you know, Sex Pistols stuff like that, and then punk rock and the germs, stuff like that. And then I always loved metal too, you know. I always loved Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and, you know, stuff like that. So uh, Twisted Sister, you probably read the story about Twisted Sister in the book, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, um, I, I I always loved, uh, you know, I got into the hardcore scene and then I saw these people like, oh, that's not hardcore, that's not this. And I'm like, that's too bad they feel that way because... I love to tap into other different genres. I don't consider myself a hardcore guy or a metal guy or a rock guy. It's like, give me a little bit of everything. I love all flavors. And you've always been that way, you think? Always, yeah. So you've never been afraid to like say, talk about, like, I mean, I'm not afraid. I guess yeah. that's the wrong word. But you know what I mean, though? There's some people we were just talking about it where you, if you were into hardcore, you, you, you couldn't dare say that, you know, Fleetwood Mac oh, was on your turntable. I always embraced it because I thought, I think you're missing a great opportunity to, you know, like Fleetwood Mac wrote some great songs, man. Some really good stuff. And, and I love the Scorpions. A lot of people are like, oh, Scorpions, that guy's voice is so weird. What a great voice he's got, you oh, know? Yeah. Great songs. A know. lot of people loved them. You know I mean? They're, yeah, like, they're a great band. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, so it's like I, I just love good music. You can't, If you write a good song, I'm there, and I'm your biggest fan. I don't care what genre. I don't care if it's country. If you write a good country song, I'll listen to it and I'll, I'll dig it. You know? Do you have like a favorite? Do you? Is there anybody or any artist out there where you're just straight up like, yeah, that's my favorite? 
HR from the Bad Brains was my biggest influence. Um, just because, I mean, he's a black Rastafarian punk rock singer, you know? Yeah. But, man, he just, <laughs> so amazing, you know? Um, and then I got to audition for the Bad Brains back in the day. Really? Yeah, and I wrote about that in the book, too. And it's, um, yeah, it was really cool. We played with the Bad Brains, and Chuck uh, Mosley from Faith No More, the original Faith No More singer, was filling in. They were looking for a new singer, and the guys in the Bad Brains said, oh, hey, man, uh, Chuck's not working out. He's drinking a lot, and he's taking drugs, and he, you know, he's got some problems. So, And they're like, hey, man. They saw us play, and you know, Spud Monsters in Cleveland. The show was crazy; people diving off, flailing everywhere. And they saw how crazy we were on stage, and they're like, "That's the kind of stuff." Their manager, Anthony County, was at the club, and he said, "Man, that's what the Bad Brains are looking for." So, I mean, it's really intense on stage, and takes it to the people. And I was like, "Wow!" And this was—we were in talks about having a record deal. We weren't even signed yet. So I told my band after the show, I'm like, the Bad Brains just asked me if I wanted to go audition. I'm like, you know, what do I do? And they're like, hell yeah, go do that, man. And they're like, just go for it. So I went and I auditioned. And um, they liked the audition. I went up on stage and I just, you know, like, it was an open audition, though. It was like all these people were standing in line waiting to audition. It was like karaoke style. And I... I didn't realize it was going to be like that. I thought I was going to get to play a song with the band. I knew other people would be there to audition. Oh. But it was weird. Everybody would go up and they'd sit on this little bar stool and they'd sing all the reggae stuff that Bad Brains did. But I wanted to show the intensity. I wanted to show my whole spectrum of what I was able to do. So I went up there and uh, I did the song Soulcraft. And uh, that was off the Quickness album. And that's where HR really sings, he barks, and he does it all. So... I go up on the stage, I made eye contact with the band, they knew who I was, and uh, the song started, I kicked the stool, splits into a bunch of pieces, you know, <laughs> I kicked it out of the way, I start jumping around, and, and they're like, yeah, man, look at this dude, he's trip, you know, so I went right up into the panelist's face, I'm singing the song, just going nuts, man, it was like three minutes and eight seconds, and just total, like, foo said it was worse, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I just took it to him. And then when the song ended, I just kind of bolted down the hallway, grabbed my backpack, and I, I didn't want to make eye contact. I was just like, you know, imposter syndrome. I shouldn't even been there, right? So I was like down there, out of breath. I'm sweating. I'm just sitting there like exhausted. And the guys left the panel, and they came over to talk to me. And like, that was dope, dude. That was awesome. That's what we're looking for. So, you know, they were like, hey, you know, if we have you come up and maybe see what your writing style is like, maybe second audition, go up to Woodstock, New York, and, you know, we'll give you another audition. And I was like, man, that would be great. So I'm thinking here I'm going to go back and have a second audition, and I go to the Limelight, the club in New York City, and I'm uh, hanging out. And then um, Roy Mayorga, he was the drummer for Ministry, and he's, well, he wasn't then, though. He, he was unknown back then. But he's in Stone Sour with uh, the Slipknot dude. Taylor. Yeah, so... Um, he was the sound guy that day mixing my voice and stuff. And he came up to me. He's like, oh, dude, what a great audition. That was awesome. Those guys really loved you. And, man, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude, they're going to have me back for a second audition. And I'm all excited. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, oh, I hate to bum you out, but, man, 
this black Rastafarian guy came later that night. He sounded just like HR or looked like HR and they like really loved him. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so I didn't get the gig, but I went home like maybe a month later, we signed a three album deal with massacre records, start touring the world. And I did all this stuff with the spud monsters and the bad brains came out, did one album with that guy, Israel Joseph. I, they did one album and that was it. And they just kind of fell apart. HR came back to the bad brains. And, and that's how that went. Yeah, so what was meant to happen happened. And, you know, scratch that off my bucket list. You know, I got to audition for my favorite band. Hell yeah. Yeah, man, it was awesome. <clears throat> and and you, got to, you got to audition with them, and you didn't get them and make the mistake of joining them. Right, right. <laughs> it all worked <laughs> out, man. I mean? right. It all worked out. It was so cool. That's kind of crazy. But it, to it, this it, day, I, I know those guys, and it's bittersweet, but also bitter-awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as far as like now goes, what what? I mean, you 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 just this book is fairly new, right? I mean, it's 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 been out yeah, for a little while, about but six it's, months. Okay, and you're doing the you're doing the the, the stuff with um, one life. Yep. But what else do you do? Like what else? What what? I mean, like does this take all your time up? I mean, are you so are you really consumed into the music part of it where? You spend a lot of time writing. You spend a lot of time doing things. Or are there other th parts of your life that? You well, I'm a certified personal trainer. You know, I coach people in juice fasting, how to eat properly. Um, One Life All In has a brand new 14 song album. We just signed with Fast Break Records, so that's coming out. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So what's um, that called? Eye of the Storm. Best thing I've ever done. Really? Yeah, we're we're totally stoked. One 14 songs, songs. 14 songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm running out of lyrics, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's cool. It's like we really went outside the box on this one, but it's heavy, and it's like it's so cool. Like one song's got a vibe of suicidal tendencies. Next thing you know, it's like S.O.D. stomp riff. And, oh, you yeah. Know, it's just like. I, li I already like it, and I really yeah, heard it, man. Yeah, there's singing, there's yelling, there's barking, there's backing vocals. There's like every element of anything I've ever done and then some in this. And um, the guys in my band are the sweetest guys in the world clem and franco and then kevin kevin's our drummer he just actually quit the band um he's going on to play with that some other band which you know he's he was actually in sepultura for a while um oh. but um but he's going on to play with some other band um and uh, we're moving forward without him but Clem and franco are the best guys to write songs with that's our guitarist and uh, bass player but Great dudes, man. They'll send me something. I'll be like, hey, this is great, but hey, let's shorten this part. Let's do this. We write perfectly together, you know. They have no no bullshit with each other. Ah, oh, yeah. shut up. I do there's, what I want. There's no rock star in the band. It's cool. That's it's great, like, man. Yeah, it's really cool. Especially from across the ocean. If you When you're doing it like that sometimes where, you know, it's like, well, I guess I can, you know. It's, yeah. a, lot, it's a lot different when you're face-to-face -face with somebody, but, you know. Yeah. That's cool. That's excellent, And they're man. really cool because, you know, they've always taken care of me really well. I'm the odd guy out. I'm from America, you know. Yeah, so right. They're always taking care of me, taking care of my travel accommodations and stuff. And um, Are you guys in constant contact with each other, yeah, would you say, pretty much? We do video calls all the time, and, um, you know, we demo stuff, and we tell each other, hey, I like this about this, and I don't like this. Let's just, and it's real easy, though. It's like we don't. It's it's almost yeah, it's too, simple. Yeah, too the, the the agreements and everything. Yeah, it's just when we mix an album. That's the only time we have kind of like, oh, uh, I think there's too much high end here. This is uh, 
you know, I don't like the way this is mixed. And then when you're doing that over a phone call or a video conference. It's kind of hard. Yeah, if you're in the studio and we're like, turn that up, move that over, cut that short, good. But when it's through an email or a video call, then it's like, it's a little bit difficult. What about recording? You ever get involved in any of that kind of stuff? Or do you ever record? Or, or? Well, the thing was, on this new album, the first two albums I flew over there and recorded in France. This one, I just did them in did my vocals in my own studio and I got to take my time and do it the way I wanted to do it. That cool. was cool. Then we worked with, um, Chris, uh, um, his name's farting out on me, but, uh, he actually produced, uh, Motley Crue and White Snake and, oh. uh, Prong and he's a big time producer. We had him mix one of our songs. It came out pretty good, but our, our guitarist said, I think I could do as good as this, though. And he just kept playing with it. And then the mix just ended up being really cool. That's Chris Collier. That's him. Oh. He did, like, the White Snake stuff. And, like, he's a real big name in the industry. And he was working with us. It wasn't, like, so expensive that we couldn't afford him. But um, we were like, you know what? Our guitarist, Clem, is really getting good with, you know. Doing his own doing stuff. Doing his own thing, yeah. So he mixed everything and came out really great are you are you now the future of one life is going to be this new album coming out mm -hmm. and then will you tour for that album will you, and yeah. will you tour america also how would that work well i'll tour in america with my american version of the band oh you're gonna do an american version yeah because to have those guys flying over here will any of those guys be involved in it or just you our guitarist clem says you know he's coming for the New York, Philly, New Jersey shows, and he's coming with a guitar player that he knows over there. He's training him on the songs. Oh, cool. Then um, I have a bass player and drummer here that I'm working with, and um, I'm going to make it work. And then I'll have maybe a Cleveland version of the band, and if I can get on some good shows here to help promote our album, I have the blessings of Franco and Clem for that. So that's really cool. Oh, yeah. That for the betterment of the band hey do it without us that's yeah. that's selflessness those are the types of people you want to get into a band with yeah <laughs> so no First. egos and it sucks because i feel bad like franco's like one of the sweetest guys in the world and he like no no just just do it it's okay i feel like i'm doing something wrong well playing, playing without him but we do need to promote the new stuff yeah and when, when was the last time you played live it's been a been a bit but yeah, are you itching? Are you are you chopping? I mean, are you are you chopping at the bit to get out there and do it again? Is it something? Yeah, you miss? I mean, I'm always I'm always game. I'm always in shape to do it. Do you miss it though? I mean, do you, is it something? A little bit, a little bit. Right now, I do because we want to do these new songs. We really love this new album a lot. I'll send you some stuff. Oh, uh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's different, and but it's cool, different. I think. Well, the reason I ask you if you're missing it is because when you're out there, dude, you just look like you're having the most fun of anybody <laughs> that's doing that stuff. Yeah. And so to me, it just seems like, yeah, man, dude, like like <laughs> the amount of fun that you look like you're having compared to some people who do front man type stuff. Yeah. You're just a different breed up there, man. Yeah. You know, I was always um, embarrassed to play live, you know, um, imposter syndrome again you know and it's like i never made eye contact with the crowd i'm just up there doing my thing man feeling it and it's like i don't hold any nothing any, back. anything back no no dude nothing I leave at it all. all on the stage and i'm usually 
and it, wiped and, out. And, yeah, I was just going to say, an incredible amount of energy goes into what yeah. you did. I mean, incredible yeah. amount of energy. Yeah, I, I grew up as a boxer for 20 years. Oh, you boxed? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've always had some sort of training going on. I never really fall out of shape. I mean, I let myself go a little bit sometimes, but it's not like... Not like, like I have. My... <laughs> no, you look good. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks. I have big clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but I, I, I try to stay always ready to go, you know, if I get that call, you know? Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So you think, uh, what kind of time frame are we thinking about this? When will this album, you think, come out? It's supposed to come out the first week of May. Oh. It's done. So I, you're just waiting for all the bullshit part of it now. Yeah. That, and, like, nowadays it's gotten even worse yeah. as far as getting it to clear everything and finally be released. Well, we're doing this big show in New York. Uh, my friend Drew Stone, he's, he's this big podcast called the New York Hardcore Chronicles. Great podcast. He's always got, like, anybody that's ever been in hardcore, you know, that's who he has on the show and uh, stuff on like his that. show all the time. So it's his big birthday bash we're doing at the Bowery Electric Club on uh, Saturday, June twenty fifth, or Sunday, June twenty fifth. So uh, uh, it's gonna be gonna be a great time. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So he asked us to do it, and it's an honor to do anything. He's been a big supporter of our band as well. So just like you, so excellent, you. man, excellent. That's cool. All right, I think we're out of time. Is that it? Huh? Yeah, it's about that went it. Quick, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does. What well, they always do when when you're, when you're just just talking like that, like we've just been doing, and that was great. Yeah, these things fly by. Yeah, yeah. Anything else to promote or anything like that? I mean, you got anything else? That you mm, well, I just got the new book, Motivate Me. Um, you yeah. can go to my website at uh, foosforlife dot com. F o o s e f o r l i f e for life dot com, and that's where. And you and you're selling the books online there. For life, yeah. Yeah, the books are on there, and then my old my old book, Raw Life, um, that's on there, and then um, and like I said, Raw Life is more like almost like a, a, a how to live, yeah, diet wise, and how to and how to take care of yourself yeah. that along those lines. Juice fasting, detoxification, how to make elixirs to fight ailments of the body. There's a cancer elixir in there. There's oh, really? All kinds of Chinese medicinal herbs that you can learn about. Yeah, and if you want to be like, if, if, if you're somebody who wants to get inspired as to why you should buy a book like that, they should just first go to YouTube, watch one of your videos. If from any, you can pick the Spud Monsters or anyone, watch you on stage for like two minutes and be like, yeah, I want to eat what he's eating. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's how I look at it. Yeah, there's a like a mini documentary about me on, on YouTube. It's uh, Don Foos on Determination. If you look at that, it kind of tells my... Um, you know, my life coming into music and then getting into the raw foods and stuff and juice fasting and all that stuff. And uh, it's a cool little snippet. And then it's got my website at the end of that video. It's, I think it's like a 12, 12 minute video, something like that. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming down, man. It's Dude, been a pleasure thank to meet you. you so much. Seriously. It's an honor meeting you. I, I love, love your, I love your podcast. And Thanks, you guys are doing great things, man. And keep sweet. up the great work. Thank you so much. Tomorrow. Cool. We'll have to have you back down because you got like your life goes on and on and on. Yeah. But but this is the first one. All right, man. Thanks, Big Bri. Thanks. We'll Pat. see you guys next week, Mr. Don Foos. Bye, guys. This has been Level Up Cleveland. There's a new episode every week. Available now on all streaming services. You can catch every episode of Level Up Cleveland on YouTube. 
Until next week, rock on. That'll be fine.